صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, Rob. Very somber morning as we um, try and celebrate Eid for Muslims with Palestine on fire yet again. Mate, it's absolutely horrific. I mean, anyone that sees what's going on over there is sick to the sick to the stomach. But look, what we'll discuss also through the show is the, the uh, you know the media bias. You really have to dig to get the actual true picture. Indeed, uh, indeed. It's a very very sad state of affairs. But you know, one thing I've been very pleased with this week, Nasser, is. I've seen a, uh, a couple of really good interviews by this man, uh, Nasser Mashni. Uh, he's been on a few of the different media outlets. Uh, you know, tell us about that. Well, you know, I have been endeavouring to use 3CR as a platform to get me to Hollywood. Unfortunately, I haven't been recognised yet. But before we, we, we get on to that, Rob, and thank you for the, for the mention, we should actually speak to what's going on in Palestine, how we got there, and particularly the chronology of how we got there. And I might yeah. just start with a post I put on Facebook with respect to Eid. Um, and Ramadan and what it means to Muslims and how this became the trigger point for Zionism, for Israel's, for fascism, for the apartheid state of Israel's latest power grab, Benjamin Netanyahu's desire to stay in charge uh, in Israel. Today is a day of celebration. After a lunar month of fasting, Muslims wake up to Eid of Thar. During Ramadan, Muslims try and be better. We fast, including water, during daylight hours. We increase our prayer, recite the Quran, we donate to charity, connect with family and friends. It's a truly blessed and holy time. I find that my best version of me exists during this month. When we were children, my father would greet every happy Eid, including Christmas, which is also an Eid, irrespective of what religious celebration we were celebrating with, Eidna Yom Awaditna, which means our celebration occurs with our return. There can be no celebration with Palestine on fire, no celebration without return, no celebration without Jerusalem, no celebration without an end to the occupation. There can be no celebration without justice. As my present for this Eid, please raise your voice for Palestine, share Palestinian content, sign petitions, call your MP, write a letter to the editor, call a news channel and complain about their bias reporting, join a rally in your city, Google, they're happening all over the world, in fact, in Melbourne today, one o'clock at the State Library, we'll talk about that in a minute. Truth and justice are on our side, and increasingly so is momentum. Join the call, Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. Now, if we go back to this past month, Ramadan, and uh, where we find ourselves today. During Ramadan, Muslims in Palestine, and particularly those in Jerusalem that have access to Aqsa Mosque, go to Aqsa to pray. Palestinians in East Jerusalem live in small apartments and flats. They don't have backyards and stuff. So one of the meeting points during Ramadan after uh, fasts are broken, after prayers, is in front of the Damascus gates. 
in the old city. It's a big open square and the Palestinians will meet there and, you know, the kids eat fairy floss and the adults, you know, have a smoke because they haven't had a smoke all day. And anybody that's been to Palestine know that smoking is our national pastime. And coffee. <laughs> and, and coffee. And the Israelis decided that during Ramadan, what they were going to do was going to close this public space and deny the Palestinians the opportunity to congregate and have fun and enjoy their time together. Well, the Palestinians protested civilly for close to two weeks. In the end, the Israeli police force uh, decided to back down from their uh, despicable position to close that public space and deny the Palestinians an opportunity to enjoy post-Ramadan celebrations. And that space was open to the Palestinians. Less than a few days later, the Israeli municipal uh, courts ruled in favour or about to rule in favour of what they call evicting uh, some Palestinians out of the Sheikh Jarrah neighbourhood. And Rob knows uh, one of the families there uh, in person, Hamad al-Kurd. So it's been time with the family, yep. And Rob's spoken about that before, Hamad al-Kurd. And eviction implies some sort of legal status. And the reality Correct. is that East Jerusalem is Palestine. East Jerusalem is not Israel. Australia, the world over, everyone except the United States, which uh, under, let's grab them by the P, Donald Trump, decided to recognise Israel's sovereignty over Jerusalem, everybody recognises Jerusalem as occupied. It is Palestinian territory. There is no legal right for an Israeli civilian court or civil court to administer any sort of Israeli law in East Jerusalem because that's Palestine. Well, they decided that they would evict it, evict these Palestinians. In fact, what it is is an expulsion, a continuation of the ethnic cleansing of Palestine. I just wanted to say, this isn't new. This has been going on. It's not just, you know, a couple of families. It's been going on and will continue. Well, it's part of the Judaization of Jerusalem. You know, the demographic, the the Israelis (laughs) have been very clear since Golda Meir to date that they want to change the demography of Jerusalem to ensure that it remains their undivided capital. The Israelis don't talk about East and West Jerusalem. They don't talk about Jerusalem because they don't want to differentiate between East and West. When in fact, even according to the United Nations back in 1948, Jerusalem was supposed to be an international city governed by the UN and to be neither uh, Jewish or Arab, yeah. but to be held in, in perpetuity for all peoples. This plan of Judaizing Israel goes back to Golda Meir, where the Israeli state, the Zionist state, is endeavouring to get as much Palestinian geography as possible with as little Palestinian demography as possible. And it goes back from 1967 to the Palestinians that were overseas or absent during that war, they were denied the right to return. It goes to the point where Palestinians in Jerusalem have to prove that Jerusalem is the centre of their life from an economic perspective to maintain their residency status. Um, So these expulsions are part of an ongoing effort to deny Palestinian connection to Jerusalem, our ancestral and spiritual homeland. These Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah are refugees generally from North Western Palestine, from Haifa and Akka. They were ethnically cleansed in 1948, made refugees, forced at the point of bayonet from Palestine proper, and they ended up in East Jerusalem. The United Nations built these homes for them, gave them these homes, whilst Jordan was in control of East Jerusalem. Now, some settler group, heavily funded out of the United States, using what we allege are forged Ottoman era documents because our, the Palestinian legal team has been to Istanbul and verified that the source, original source documents differ 
from those presented in the Israeli court, use those documents and are saying that those that land was originally owned by the Jewish settler group, and that in fact, they should be able to regain possession of that land. And that Israeli court is ruled in favor of these settler groups and are expelling these Palestinians from their homes. The absurdity of this in the only democracy in the Middle East, as the Israelis call their state, is that this same civil process, this same litigation mechanism that allows for this settler organization to force, expel Palestinians from their homes is denied to Palestinians to seek their own homes. So I'm sure if we said to Mohammed al-Kurd and his family saying, well, democracy is at work here and the court system is robust, you've made every appeal possible, and sadly, the court has actually ruled against you. But the good news is you can use the same mechanism, Muhammad, to claim your home in Haifa. Muhammad and every other Palestinian would welcome this sort of open, just, democratic process because then Muhammad could go back to his home in Haifa. And that Jewish person mm. that's actually today occupying his home would have to go back, pay compensation, either way, leave. The fact is, and this is what apartheid is, when you have two separate sets of laws, to two different people because of one reason. In South Africa, it was because you were black or white. In Palestine, it's because you celebrate God on Saturday or not on Saturday. This apartheid system denied the Palestinians the right to a civil redress. Following that and the Palestinians of East Jerusalem rallying in solidarity with Sheikh Jarrah, they all descended upon that neighborhood to stop the military and police force getting in there and expelling these people. We had Laylat al-Qadr, which is the holiest night during Ramadan, and prayers extend generally through the night. Palestinians were at the Aqsa Mosque complex. They were mid-prayer when upwards of a couple of hundred Israeli police and uh, military personnel stormed whilst the Palestinians were in prayer. And the video shows clearly the Palestinians were prostrate. I mean, they're on the ground, heads on the ground, bowing in prayer, when the Israelis stormed the complex, throwing stun grenades and, you know, shooting rubber-coated bullets. And, you know, these rubber-coated bullets are, you know, a lead-encased rubber. At least three people were blinded by these this savage attack. 200 people were hospitalised. Thankfully, nobody was killed in that first instance. But these were three escalating events that happened just recently. And then what we saw was Hamas said to Israel, you need to stop. We're not happy with what you're doing. We're giving you, we're giving you, I think they gave them eight hours until they, uh, they would react in some way. In the end, they launched a rocket and that's where you have us today. And, and the long game is, I mean, this benefits Israel always. Gaza fire, firing back or starting uh, to say, hey, stop and standing up because, you know, Israel's obviously an occupying power. I just wanted to say a couple of things, Nasa. On uh, next to Sheikh Jarrah, as you know, there's Silwan. And there's 1,500 homes there that are under threat. And that's basically a borderlining suburb. Absolutely. This is the thing that we constantly talk about from the respect of a media bias. When do you come to the story? And the challenge is yeah. Sheikh Jarrah, Silwan, the Hebron Hills, the, the 50,000 homes that have been demolished in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, according to Jeff Halper of the International Coalition Against Housing Demolition. This, this is ongoing. This is ongoing ethnic cleansing from the formation of the state of Israel to today. Israel wasn't created on reclaimed land. This isn't the Emirates where they just built a bit of dirt and then Israel became a state. Israel became a state 
on the ashes of Palestine. Palestine existed, the Palestinian people existed, there were human beings there. You don't just create a state without getting rid of who was there. Possession. You know, in Australia, we had terra nullius. In Palestine, we had a land without people for a people without a land. Two great settler colonialist lies, white people in both instances taking brown people's land. There's, there's a, there's and then labelling them either savages and now we call them terrorists. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, for acting. Well, they're, they're always terrorists, you know, and the invocation of and the justification of self-defense, this concept where Israel is self-defending itself, you know, Israel's got a right to self-defense. Palestinians don't have a right to self-defense. They've got no right to self-defense, but Israel's got a right to self-defense. And this doctrine exists throughout settler colonial uh, mentalities. It goes back to the 1500s and 1600s. I mean, when the Portuguese or the Spanish went to the South Americas and they went there and they encountered the tribes. Whenever they encountered a tribe that didn't immediately surrender and there was any level of resistance, the Spanish, the conquistadors or the, or the Portuguese massacred tens of hundreds of thousands of these indigenous peoples to create the overwhelming punishment, fear, pain, understanding in that indigenous population that the consequence of resistance was massive repercussion, massive pain, massive disaster. And that happened in the South Americas. It happened in North America. It happened in Canada to the Indigenous peoples of, of both of those countries. It happened in Australia. It happened in New Zealand. It is Now in Gaza. It is the root methodology of settler colonialism, of fascist racism. Now, Israel was born of the same ideology, the same racist settler colonialist mindset. And it's predicated, it's predicated on the destruction and annihilation of a people's hope and aspirations to their independence and self-determination. The challenge, the challenge that the Israelis have encountered, and it's a maximum Mexican proverb, is they thought by killing us we'd vanish. They didn't realize that we would turn in our souls would turn into seeds. We're not going anywhere. And they haven't been able to reconcile themselves with that. And we're going to talk a little bit in a, in a second about where this is now extending to. But this is a very important context when you talk about media bias and where we're at today. Is This is a situation in Palestine from a, a holistic point. If we Let's zoom out and pretend the last couple of weeks haven't happened. Number one, there's status quo. Occupation, apartheid, that's violence against Palestine. But there's no reporting. Number two, Israel escalates, whether it's evictions or shootings or beatings. Number three, some Palestinians respond with violence. Number four, Israel responds with massacres. Self-defense, Israel's got a right to self-defense. The problem is the reporting starts at point three, that some Palestinians responded. Yep. All we hear about is Hamas started sending rockets. That's all we hear. There's never, there's very rarely the context that says, hold on a second, there's an ongoing oppression here. There's an ongoing injustice that the world is A, accountable for because the world created this problem. Just, just on that, when, you, when, when we say that, you know, the world created that problem, I don't think a lot of people realise that 80% of Gazans actually were refugees from Israel. Correct. I mean, that's a it's, a, it's a pretty serious thing. I mean, and 50% of the population are children. Yep. And, you know, for one of the, you know, the most highly regarded supposedly but most powerful military to be shot, um, 
sending precise missiles in. Well, they hit two apartment buildings. Now, they can't be by mistake, but they're apartment buildings, Nessa, where people live. You know, the, the challenge, Rob, is, is they say there was a Hamas leader lived there. Yeah, okay. Well, the, the other thing they also say is that they say that, you know, we may as well cover this. It's always there that, you know, that the, the Gazans always use their, um, their, their people as human shields. Well, they don't have an army. They don't have an air force. What does the world want them to do to put there, because they're allowed to have weapons to protect themselves, to put them on an oval with a big X on it to say, here they are? Where else do they put them? Well, more than that, Rob, I mean, it's the, the dehumanisation of the Palestinian by saying that we use civilians as yes. uh, human shields is manifestly wrong. It's been uh, proven wrong by the Red Cross, UN investigations, etc. In yep. fact, the uh, Israelis have been proved to use Palestinians as shields. They've been taped to the front of jeeps and uh, driven into Palestinian towns to make sure that Palestinians don't throw rocks at police officers. They've been... If people don't believe that, they should look at that up because it's a clear case fact. That is a factual event that happened not once, but numerous times. Soldiers are, are holding Palestinians with a rifle over their shoulder and, use, and walking them in front of them and using them as a shield, as physically as a shield. Now, going back to Gaza, the fact is Gaza is 365 square kilometres. The population density is over 5,000 people per square kilometre. Australia is 7 million square kilometres. If Australia had the same population density as Gaza, there would be 42 billion people in Australia. Now, if you think I that, cannot get over that. If you think the traffic's bad today with uh, oh. 26 million people in Australia, imagine what it would be like with 46 billion so, I mean, this is one of the things that people don't realise. There's nowhere to hide in, in Gaza. In Gaza, when you get the phone call that says, we're knocking over the building in an hour, and there are 80 families living in that building just because one person in there is suspected of being uh, a member of Hamas, that, that's collective punishment. But imagine you're one of those 79 families that isn't a member of Hamas, that isn't a Hamas leader, or allegedly according to Israel's Secret Service yeah. and their army. What do you do? Because you know the building's coming down now in 59 minutes and 50 seconds. Where are you going to go? It's 59 minutes and 45 seconds. What Do you grab your kid's favourite toy, your photo albums? It's 59 minutes and 30 seconds. What have you grabbed? Can you imagine sitting at home being told that your house is about to get demolished and it's 58 minutes and 50 seconds now? Have you grabbed anything yet? Where are all the kids? Who's got the passports? Do you grab ID documents? What about your kid's favourite toy? Quickly, grab our marriage certificate. We'll need that. Where, where do you go, though, Nasser? Where, where, where do you go? There's nowhere to go. On top of that, you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. I mean, the barbarity and humanity, and it gets caged in the Western discourse as Israel's right to self-defence, as if Palestinians don't have a right to self-defence. Yeah, just just on that, you know, they, they, they don't always drop to say, hey, we're going to bomb here. And let's just remind people what they did in 2014. They did the electrical places, the water places, the school places. Everywhere they tried to, you know, demolish a society by hitting those particular areas. And it's a great excuse to say, oh, we think a Hamas person lived there. We think. Where's your proof? Most of the time it doesn't exist. Well, I mean, look, the reality is even if a Hamas person did live there. It's against international law for collective punishment. Bombing a building that has 79 other families living in it is cruel collective punishment. And, you know, the ICC is in the middle of, has started their investigations into war crimes from the 2014 war through to most, you know, probably even end of last year. Yesterday. <laughs> I mean, they'll have to open up another file now. 
And as we know, Hamas has said, we'll cooperate entirely with the investigation. We don't think we've committed war crimes, but we're open to an international impartial investigation. Of course, the Israelis said, we didn't commit war crimes and we're not open. One of the things that we should make sure that people talk about, and this is just to stay on the uh, media for yeah. a little bit more, Rob, before we talk about what's happening inside Palestine, uh, 48 mm-hmm. Palestine. It, it's so important to use the correct terminology. And this is one of the things the media constantly talks about. They talk about evictions, not expulsions and ethnic cleansing. They talk about democracy as opposed to apartheid. They talk about uh, settlers as if they're like, um, you know. Legal. Well, I, I think they're trying to invoke the, uh, and predominantly it's languages for, for North America, the concept of the, the settlers that moved then west from, you know, California and New York to settle the Great West, you know, the, the inland parts of the United States. American movies, John Wayne movies, you're on the back of horseback with the, the wagon in the back, we're settling. Yeah. We, the, these settlers are rabid fascist mostly American extremist Jews, you know, that thick accents, thick American Brooklyn accents that are, I mean, they're single-minded in their hatred and and fascism. I mean, they do that uh, Jerusalem March the 10th of May every year where they run through the streets shouting, you know, death to Arabs, Muhammad is dead, a pig, you know, just horrible stuff. So we need to make sure that whenever you get the chance and somebody's speaking about, you know, how challenging this conflict is, there's not a conflict because a conflict insinuate some level two equal parties yeah, some level of parity there's no there's no conflict here there's an occupier and an occupied there's a heavily armed soldier with a boot and a kid on the floor with that boot on his throat there's no conflict there's oppression and oppressed oppressor and oppressed there's ethnic cleansing there's illegal sentiment settlements there's zionism as an ethno-religious fascist doctrine that is predicated on the denial of Palestinian aspirations to self-determination in their ancient homeland. Got to make sure we try and keep everybody accountable. I was just going to say, when you're talking about the, uh, you know, they're from Brooklyn, what, what most of the, most happens most of the time, and this is what I saw, is that these racists from Brooklyn are the ones they put into these homes where the Palestinians have been expulsed, you know, expulsed, I suppose. And they put those guys in there and they turn them over every three months. And so they only have the hardcore imbeciles that will go and live in these places because they know, I believe, what they're doing is wrong. But they get paid to be there as well. Well, they live there for... I don't think that they know it's wrong, Rob. I think they are so ideologically driven by some concept of... It's mine. And that's perhaps one of the biggest problems. And it's been really propagated by a really fascist right-wing government in Israel for the... Yeah. You know, coming on close to two decades now, led by Benjamin Netanyahu. And there should be no doubt or equivocation as to why this latest flare up has occurred. And it's completely a power play engineered by Benjamin Netanyahu to keep himself in power. This is a bloke that's lost four elections in two years. He hasn't been able to get a majority. The president of the state of Israel has asked some other parties to endeavor to form uh, a government. They're sort of close to being able to form a government. So Benjamin Netanyahu manufactures this latest uh, flash, this latest burst of violence and Palestinian killing. And then suddenly, and the reality in Israel is that Palestinian blood polls very well, 
Suddenly he's on the front of every camera. We're going to bomb him back to the Middle Ages. We'll make them pay. I'll keep you safe. He's talking about the rampaging that's happening, the Jewish rampaging that's happening throughout uh, 48 Palestine, the burning of mosques, the looting of Palestinian businesses, the lynching of Palestinians by these death mobs within uh, Israel proper, 48 Palestine. He's back on the front page. Nobody's talking about who's going to be prime minister again. And when he dissolves parliament for the fifth time in under three years and goes to an election, theoretically sooner than later, he'll be able to run on the populace of having been able to knock off uh, this protest and restore calm. Does it divert away from the attention of his court case? It's uh, pretty serious there. You're right, Rob. Everything's about diverting from that. One of the things that I'm most inspired by, one of the things I'm most inspired by, and, you know, I don't hide my disdain for the PA. I don't hide my disdain for Hamas. I, don't, I think they're equally as bad as each other. Is that this latest uprising, it's proved yet again how resilient the Palestinians are, that the leaders of this new movement are our youth. Now, these people have been denied opportunity to participate in any form of democratic representation. Denied democratic representation within Palestine and how that might work for us. They've been denied democratic representation in Israel. They're constantly marginalized. They're oppressed. There's the relentless Israeli military occupation. They've been born and lived an entire life on their land in exile, destitute, suffering under the cruelest, cruelest forms of apartheid. They're told that they're inferior, they're of a lesser race. The Israeli uh, Knesset passed the nation state law that said that self-determination was only available for Jews, relegated Arabic to a second-class language. Yeah. Every right from self-determination to everything else has been postponed indefinitely. They've grown up watching their homes being demolished, their lands robbed, their parents humiliated, and they've been able to do nothing about it. Nothing about it. And now they're rising up. And the world stand bys as well. And the world stand by. And now they're rising up. And they've said, enough. And they're speaking up and speaking out. And we would urge everyone all over the world to rally behind them. And I want to share a clip. We're going to share a clip of Nelson Mandela's grandson. He's marching in South Africa. And he's a wonderful guy. And he's called out apartheid for what it is many times he's traveled to palestine and i hope and some of my south african friends tell me there is great optimism that he might one day be a future president of south africa and we're going to play a clip and he you can tell that he is channeling his inner mandela mostly i stand here as a father my son today is uh, turning four years old mandela ikram Mandela and uh, to continuously witness children in Palestine being shot in the back, being put in prison, it really pains our hearts as fathers, as parents, and also as citizens in the Republic of South Africa that have witnessed such brutalities in our past. And we are here today as a family with my wife, uh, my father-in-law, as well as uh, 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 my mother-in-law, to say that we will not rest until we see a free Palestine in our lifetime. And we will speak against the brutality 
that is meted out against innocent uh, children and women in Palestine. And that is why we are here united as a family today to charge forward with what Madiba once said, that our freedom is incomplete until the Palestinians are free. So in Melbourne today, uh, listeners, please join Rob, I, a few other people, a few other people, based on what we've heard and police estimates, there's going to be a few thousand of us. I know the weather is looking crappy, but Palestinians are suffering under the cruelest of apartheid regimes, suffering bullets, indignation, beatings, humiliation, etc. The least you can do is give up a couple of hours. Join us today at the State Library at one o'clock for a protest, protesting against the Zionist continued occupation and denial of Palestinians and their rights to justice. One o'clock at the State Library. Please join us today. Thanks for listening. Share the podcast. And remember, there's never been a better time for free Palestine. The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377.